I'm Haley B. Miller, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the 2024 edition. This week, we're discussing who has momentum in Ohio's U.S. Senate race, whether lawmakers will override Governor Mike DeWine's veto of House Bill 68, why the Attorney General is touting a new study on permitless carry, and how some school districts are pushing back against sex ed requirements. With me today is our Bureau Chief, Anthony Shoemaker. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year, Haley. Good to be back. Off to a slow start. So our first topic for today is the biggest news of holiday break, DeWine's veto of House Bill 68. As a reminder, that's the bill that would restrict medical care for transgender minors and prevent transgender girls from playing in female high school and college sports. DeWine struck it down after talking with children's hospitals and families, and he had this to say about it. These are gut-wrenching decisions that should be made by parents and should be informed by teams of doctors who are advising them. These are parents who have watched their child suffer, sometimes for years, and who have real concerns that their child may not survive to reach adulthood. But it looks like DeWine's veto is going to be short-lived. Anthony, what's the latest? Well, um, you know, the the House and House and Senate lawmakers pretty much immediately um, slammed the governor for the for the veto, um, saying that, you know, this needed to be done to protect children. President Trump even got involved in the in the debate, saying that he's you know tired of DeWine and uh, that lawmakers need to come back and override this veto right away. Uh, and it looks like uh, on Wednesday, you know, the House has to act first because it was their legislation and they'll probably take that vote up. Yeah, I believe the exact quote from Trump was that he is done with this stiff. Is that? (laughs) DeWine has fallen to the radical left. No wonder he gets loudly booed in Ohio every time I introduce him at rallies. And this did get a fair amount of national attention, I think, because, you know, we've seen legislation like this in a lot of other states. It tends to have the backing of Republican lawmakers. So for a Republican governor to veto this kind of bill, I think, definitely grabbed a lot of headlines. Yeah. And, you know, Governor DeWine was just reelected in one of the largest, you know, landslides in, in history. And, you know, this is kind of the first, I believe this is the first veto since that. And, uh, you know, the, the fight over over trans rights has kind of become a national kind of the, the new national fight. Now that kind of the, the abortion issue is, is kind of moving off of the stage. It, it seems like that trans issues are becoming more the, um, the social issue that the 2024 election is focusing on because, you know, it polls well with the Republican base for one thing, but you know, the governor pointed out rightly so that this is a very impacts a very small number of people. Why not, you know, be compassionate, take some time, work out the details. You know, the governor issued a, a list of possible changes and things that they could do, but it doesn't sound like lawmakers are going to take any of those up. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because this isn't the first time we've seen DeWine clash with the Republican majority in the House and Senate. The House before Christmas overrode DeWine's veto of a bill that would prohibit local governments from banning flavored tobacco, menthol, flavored vapes, things like that. And they obviously clashed during the COVID pandemic over health regulations. It's interesting to me that the thing that those issues have in common is that they are sort of public health related. Right. Yeah. You know, and, Gov- and Governor DeWine said that, you know, he really didn't focus at all on the on the, the sports angle with House Bill 68, that he was very focused on the, 
on the healthcare angle. And, and he, he said when he vetoed the bill, you know, that he viewed it as a, it's kind of a, a life and death situation for, for these kids and their families. Right. So the House will be back next week. They're expected to take up the override then. It seems like they have the votes. They passed this with a supermajority in December. The Senate also passed it with a supermajority. Sometimes lawmakers are a little reluctant to override vetoes. So I think the math will still probably work out in their favor, but we'll have to see how all of that shakes out. Yeah, and, you know, if if they don't have the votes, they, they won't have the vote. So Very true. All right. Next on our agenda is Ohio's U.S. Senate race. It's officially 2024 and the GOP primary, believe it or not, is just a few months away. Cleveland businessman Bernie Moreno, Secretary of State Franklin Rose, and State Senator Matt Dolan all want a chance to take on Senator Sherrod Brown in November. The winner of this primary in March will be at the center of a huge Senate race that's going to be watched nationally. Now, the vibes have changed a lot the past few weeks. The biggest news came right before Christmas. Former President Donald Trump announced that he's backing Moreno. That gives Moreno a lot of wind in his sails at pretty much exactly the right time. Do yeah. Rose and Dolan even have a shot now? You know, it, if, if you look at the 2022 election and how um, the endorsement of J.D. Vance from Donald Trump propelled him to the front of the pack, you have to kind of assume the same is going to happen with Moreno. It seems like a lot of uh, the powerhouse Republicans in the state are lining up behind him. Senator Vance has already endorsed him. Now Congressman Warren Davidson from Troy has endorsed him. And at one point, Davidson was even talked about as a candidate in that in that race. So it seems like uh, the powers that be are lining up behind Moreno. I get the sense that these endorsements are coming out and coming a little bit sooner than they did in 2022 because Republicans really want to avoid the mess they created in 2022. Vance bore the brunt of just an absolutely nasty primary, especially when he got Trump's endorsement. And because of that, he came out of the primary with like no money and took a couple months to really recover from that. And Republicans know they can't afford to waste any time in the general election cycle against Sherrod Brown. Yeah. And in, and in 2022, you know, you had what seven candidates, you know, the election was in May instead of March. So it just seemed to drag on and it was an, an ugly race. So this one, you know, they can wrap it up in March, really focus on on the money and taking it to Sherrod Brown before November, um, because, you know, Sherrod Brown is going to be a, a formidable candidate, even if if the state's going red. Our third topic for today is a new study on Ohio's permitless carry law. In 2022, Ohio began allowing people 21 and older to carry concealed firearms without taking a class or obtaining a permit. DeWine signed the bill, even though a lot of people, including police, were mad about it. Fast forward to now. Attorney General Dave Yost's office and Bowling Green University did some research and found the law hasn't immediately caused more violence or injured police officers. Yost said this proves permitless carry didn't make Ohio the Wild West, essentially. But this study also had some limitations, and researchers were pretty upfront about that. Yeah, and local leaders are concerned uh, still about the changes uh, that have made firearms more accessible. The study didn't, you know, include suicides and some other other data. I mean, it, it's kind of early, you know, to really make this kind of a conclusion. I imagine they're probably going to take a look at this again down the line and 
it'll be an important issue, I think, to keep looking at as cities like Columbus and Cleveland contend with gun violence. The study did find that violent incidents had decreased a little bit, I believe, but it's still an issue that is talked about a lot. And even Yost said that this doesn't mean that we need to that, you know, Ohio's gun violence problem has been solved. Yost said, you know, there's still gun violence, you know, especially in cities. And you're seeing a lot of, you know, it's gun violence may be down, but you're seeing, you know, more cases, it seems like with like younger kids and, and, and shootings, not necessarily always fatal shootings, but, you know, problems with teen violence and guns. And not to be too cynical, but Yost wants to run for governor in 2026. And so I think down the line, he can probably use this study in defense of legislation or state policies that prop up Second Amendment rights. You know, the legislature has passed a lot of these kinds of bills over the years, even despite DeWine's reluctance sometimes. And so I think, you know, that that can end up being a part of his policy platform. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a winning issue for Republicans. I mean, the other thing, too, is kind of, you know, next to the governor, the attorney general kind of has a a big pulpit in the state. Um, you know, Mike DeWine became the governor after being attorney general. So we're going to be getting a lot of press releases from Dave Yost over the next few years. It's true. Election. All right. Our last topic for the day is sex ed. Ohio requires schools to teach students that having a child outside of marriage is bad for basically everyone. But a couple districts push back. Washington Local School District near Toledo and Ridgewood Local Schools near Coshocton said they didn't agree with that model, and the state marked them as non-compliant. Now, they aren't really in real trouble for this, and they got to make their point. The superintendent of Washington said, quote, we cannot be sitting in judgment of what people's families look like. What do you make of this? Well, I mean, you hate to say this, but, you know, all, all more than 40% of uh, children in Ohio are are born to unmarried um, parents. So I'm actually kind of surprised only two to two districts have come out against this so far, because you would think other districts would, would have um, caught on to this because it's, you know, half their children almost. Right. And this certainly isn't the only way that Ohio sex ed requirements are controversial. That's true. And, and, and there's a lot of things that are different, you know, among all 600 and some districts uh, when it comes to teaching sex ed, there, there's not a lot of consistency, but you know, for a teacher to have to sit there and, and, and tell a classroom where like half the children could be, you know, in one parent households or something like that, that they're somehow less than just doesn't seem appropriate. And one more thing before you go. My favorite story of the year dropped this week. The list of license plates projected by the BMV in 2023. 833 of them got turned down last year for violating rules on profanity and advocating lawlessness. Most of them are gross, and I can't say a lot of them here without getting in trouble. But a couple spoilers, some drivers apparently still aren't a fan of President Joe Biden, and a couple tried to get away with putting Kia boys on their plate. Right. Yeah. And some of them, a, a lot of F somethings. Yes. <laughs> like, like Michigan, Biden, different things uh, popped up with that. And, and creative use of the number five as an S, which I thought was kind of interesting on some of them. Yeah, it's it's a laugh. Uh, you can check out the full list on any of our websites. And Oak Rules is probably still available if anybody wants to get that as a license. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can check us out on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Ohio Explained. 